Welcome back, boys and girls, to On The Bat Bar Podcast. You're joined by me, Christopher Menning. Uh, this is the show where I talk to industry leaders and experts across the globe in the world of the drinks trade. Today, we have a bit of an industry veteran on the show. His name is Zenik Kastanek, and he's here to talk about eco-spirits and how he's saving the planet by reducing carbon footprint, reducing waste, and also saving bartenders' backs. This is a really innovative way of distributing spirits globally, and I think this is really going to kick off. So sit back, enjoy, and listen to this next episode of On The Bad Bar Podcast. If you like my show, then please subscribe or send me an email, and also look for my Patreon account, where you can actually be part of the community and have your own say. You can find all information in the show notes or head over to Gastronomy Lifestyle on the Bat Bar podcast page and find out more relevant information about upcoming guests and what the hell I'm getting up to. All right, guys, enjoy and talk soon. Benjamin Franklin once said, in wine, there is wisdom, in beer, there is freedom, and in water... There's bacteria. No bacteria here. This is On the Back Bar. Hosted by Christopher Menning, an industry expert, author, and bartender who's been in the industry for over a decade. On the Back Bar is your gateway to talking to the people behind the scenes at bars, distilleries, and vineyards around the world. We'll talk to the experts in the industry about future trends, people, spirits, cocktails, wine, and everything else. So kick your feet up, pour your favorite drink, and hang out on the back bar. This is Christopher Menning. All right. Lovely. Zenik, thank you so much for joining us on the Bat Bar podcast. Um, how are you doing, man? I know it's quite early for you over there. Oh, it's all good. Um, I am and always have been an early riser, I think. Um, so not um, it's not that hard for me to do so. Um, good. And I, okay. love, and, I, and I love good sunrise, so all good. <laughs> Actually, I'm an early riser too, and it's really strange because I've been a night owl most of my career, even if I go to bed at three in the morning, I'm up at seven or eight. What Can I ask, what's your morning routine? What do you like to get up to? Uh, I am not a big coffee drinker, uh, but I do like sometimes to have an iced coffee. Being in, in Florida, apart from a couple of months, it's pretty hot here. So iced coffee is, um, is preferable rather than hot coffee. Um, I, I on and off got into meditation and, and I get off meditations. It's one of those things which I keep pushing myself to do at least five times a week. Uh, but then I'll do it for a week and then I don't do it for two weeks and I do it for three weeks and I don't do it for a week. It's, it's one of those, but I am I'm exactly aiming, the same. <laughs> I am aiming to get to a routine where I, uh, it will really become a part of every morning. Um, Besides that, uh, I have loads of morning calls with my um, work um, on the international side. Um, I, I do have a calls from Australia to uh, New Zealand to Asia Pacific. Um, and then, um, then I have a break uh, because everyone there goes to sleep. And so then I work on uh, quietly, which is quite nice on, on, my, on my other stuff and then take meetings and calls from this part of the world and Europe. Um, and then I go for run, 
And then when I come back from run, um, there is dinner with wifey, <clears throat> well, well needed. Uh, and then I have a, and I have an evening calls again with Asia when they wake up. Brilliant. Always busy then. <laughs> yes. It, it's, it's, it's nice to break it though. Um, For sure. so it's, I, I always like to work in a, in a way that, uh, if you can have a one or two nice breaks to do what you like to do, like run or whatever, it's preferable rather than have to be, you know, head down for 10 hours from nine to five, um, uh-huh. or eight hours, whatever it is, uh, without break when, you know, you have to make your brain active and, 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 and then working because you have no any other choice. I would r- rather have that capacity of taking the break when I see that I'm not focusing because I know that I can cover it a little later. So that's kind of my mm. approach. Good. And you're, you're obviously in Florida now, but you came from uh, Southeast Asia. How's the development been moving over there? Have you adjusted? I mean, you've been there a while now, right? So I've been here for a year now. Um, okay. And, and my wife's from here. So I've been coming in here for the last eight, nine years. Um, so not that big of an adjustment. Um, I always liked Florida uh, or Miami specifically. Um, it's one of those hidden cities where once you get here, you realize there's a lots of good drinking and eating and the scene is tight, community is tight. Um, and so it's a great fun town, but it's not as big as the rest of the United States cities or the cities I came from, like Hong Kong and Singapore, where I've lived for the last eight, right. nine years. And so I am I'm, 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 I always enjoyed it for what it has to offer as a big city, a big airport and being close to Europe, et cetera, um, but not being a, you know, 15 million city uh, living in a concrete jungle. You have water everywhere. Uh, you can paddleboard, you can swim in open water, et cetera. So it's a, it's a nice balance. Yeah, sounds great. Well, let's uh, jump into the show. And uh, I usually ask all my guests to kind of give me a rundown of their career. But I mean, we could be here for ages because you've been up to so much in your, your long career in hospitality. And there are so many things to talk about. But uh, it'd be great if we could really uh, start with your humble beginnings of when you started in the beverage world. Easy. Uh, I have that's, I have said this story a few times before. Hopefully I'm getting better at it. Um, <laughs> but but um, uh, I started in the industry because my dad has been in that industry for a long time. I am from tiny little, I, I guess you could call it town, it was 8,000 people um, living there in the middle of a Czech Republic. Um, when I was born, it was Czechoslovakia. Um, and my dad would run a small little ski resort uh, hotels because where I'm from, Highlands, um, I mean, don't think big mountains, but we would have lots of cross, cross country skiing and then small slopes, etc. So it was a very recreational, a pretty part of uh, that world. And so I would run around um, his venues uh, since I could walk. Uh, and it's kind of how I got into it, um, move into a, an apprentice chef when I was 14, 15, that kind of got me into holy hell, I want to get to uh, culinary school. So I went to culinary school, uh, finished culinary school. Um, and throughout the culinary school, I was doing um, all sorts of you know, competitions, and, you know, et cetera, as you do. Uh, that brought me to, uh, uh, obviously, you know, advanced my cooking and my love for cooking. But at the same time, I somehow ended up with a shaker in my hand uh, through one of our teachers. Um, and they got me in, that, that got me into the, the Czech Bartender Association, which is part of the IBA, International Bartender Association, the whole white glove and tongs type of bartending. Uh, 
which we were always uh, making fun of at that time. Later on, you realized that actually had given you lots of good moves and, and, and kind of uh, elegance, I guess, uh, to your work. And so I, when I finished culinary school, I didn't go back to, or back, I didn't go straight to kitchen and cooking. I actually ended up uh, running a bar in Prague. Um, and then throughout that period, um, I made this whole dream of um, moving to Australia because um, one of our graduation subject was geography. Uh, and so I was always fascinated with how far it is. Uh, really uh, a big name at that time still is. And uh, now a dear friend, George Niemek, uh was living there. Um, and so we got in touch with him um, and moved to Australia. Um, lived there for four years. Um, have been lucky enough that I, I got to bartend in places like Baseball, the Brasserie or the Lincoln Bar and etc. Um, uh, and somehow this uh, a, a crazy gentleman, I always say that um, it was the craziest idea ever because this Czech kid with broken English ended up being a, one of the trainers for um, alchemy training program. Um, which at that time was leading training program in Australia. That got me into the education about bars. And I kind of realized that that's something what I like a lot um, to just, you know, go around the world and, and then talk to uh, people about uh, what vodka's made out of and what's the difference between vodka and gin and, and et cetera. At that time, that's really the only thing what I was capable of explaining in my broken English. Um, right. But it, it, it grew it grew on me, and so when I left Australia, uh, I moved to London. At that time, Savoy was planning to open, um, and so I've gone through the whole interviews, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then they postponed it for another year, uh, I think it was, and so I was like, I don't, I can't really wait for a year. And my other dream venue. Um, it was always toss up in between. If I would move to London, um, would it be Savoy? Would it be Covadis, uh, which was a members club at that time, award winning place, ran by a, a legend, another legend, a Paul Mand. And um, I got interviewed there and, and I got a job. So I um, very happily went back to visit my family in Czech after being gone for four years. And then a few weeks later, I was. Uh, um, I was uh, in London and started my job in, in Kovadis, um, where I stayed the whole time when I was in London, which was almost four years. Um, and towards the end of it, uh, I was thinking about obviously what else I can do. Um, it was not really, I, I, somehow I don't have the explanation of it why uh, I wasn't really uh, you know, that excited about staying in London because I love the town, I love my lifestyle there. But somehow, I guess I was pulled to travel again and see other places. Um, and so um, I started to kind of talk to uh, people quietly. Uh, there was this project in India, which came up to uh, write and then own trainings about hospitality and modern bartending. And so I took that, moved to India for six months, traveled throughout the whole India. We managed to uh, talk to 900 bartenders, got them through the course. Um, it's still till today one of the most incredible nine months, uh, six months uh, of my life. Not only because the country, the country is crazy, beautiful, but crazy in life as well. Uh, but um, just you know, helping those bartenders from small towns in in, in India 
um, to uh, bring them the knowledge. We were fortunate enough to learn in, in places like Sydney and London, which was, was just great. And then while I'm doing that, the partners um, uh, who are the founders of uh, 28 Hong Kong Street and then Proof and Company, etc., have called up and, um, and asked me if I would like to join them. Um, 28 was six months old or something at that time. Uh, Michael Callahan was the head bartender and the, 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 the opening bartender. Uh, and there was this idea to uh, start um, a distribution company, which is very much based on craft spirits, education, uh, really working with the community and working, uh, helping the uh, helping that part of the world to uh, have access to all of the great stuff we are used to having in London and Sydney and New York, etc. Um, and so, you know, the idea of um, heading to a new part of the world, I actually visited before as a backpacker when I was 22 or whatever, uh, headed, headed to Singapore uh, to run a bar with Michael Callahan, who actually was my friend because we met in one of the international competitions and launching a brand new project, which was about distribution, education, craft spirits. Uh, it sounded like a dream. So I literally signed on the spot. Uh, and found myself uh, three months later when I finished the India project. I find myself in uh, in Singapore, and then the rest is the history. We we uh, ran twenty eight with Michael, launched uh, Proof and Company with the founding partners, um, great people like David Cordoba, Jason Williams, Chris Lauder, etc. Has joined us over the course of the eight nine years now. Um, uh, opened up offices in, in China, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Hong Kong. Um, and um, yeah, I had a great mad fun with it. Um, made lots of mistakes along the way, but uh, learned a lot. And, um, and, and, and you know, I, I still feel that um, uh, it was definitely helpful uh, to the overall um, uh, region that uh, uh, we started to bring these products in. Because right now you have a look at it in all of the cities in Thailand with bootleggers and and uh, and uh, Holy Spirits in Malaysia, proven company in Singapore. But then now uh, in Singapore alone, I think there's five, six other craft spirit distributors. And so the access to anything and everything you want is literally the same as if you would live in, in, in London or New York, etc. Um, and so that's, that's kind of in a nutshell what it is. Uh, uh, and that kind of would lead us to a bigger conversation, I would think, um, which is uh, our newest projects, our own brands, products we created under the umbrella of True Believers and uh, Eco Spirits. Uh, which is a distribution technology company, um, which helps uh, bring spirits to bars, hotels, and restaurants in a, in a much more um, sustainable, uh, uh, low-waste, low-carbon uh, way. Fantastic. Well, I mean, there's so much to digest there, and you really have been all over the world, right? It's, uh, I mean, it, it, there's some really eye-opening experiences you've had, I think, um, which is great to hear. India was definitely the most eye-opening, I would say. But then, you know, learning the culture in Singapore was was an easy, uh, wasn't hard either. But it, you know, you have to listen. Uh, I I am not the best listener. It's one of the things I I'm learning to listen more than uh, than talk. Um, but uh, it definitely, it definitely, um, it's not the easiest to uh, to really digest the culture to be able to. Uh, live there and understand them. I'm not saying that I understand all these cultures, but uh, being humble and, and say, look, I'm a guest here. 
tell me uh, what's the best way is, is, is something I've learned uh, over the course of a few years, yeah. Brilliant. Well, I mean, um, we, we can go into quite a few different things there, I think, but I'd love to um, talk about your project, The Eco Spirits, because um, for me, I think this is fantastic work and, uh, and what it's doing for sort of the sustainability aspect of, of the drinks world is, uh, is fantastic. And there's actually some quite significant numbers, uh, if you don't mind going through them. For instance, um, what, do you want to explain what it is first? Because actually, I think many of the listeners that are based in, uh, you know, England and Europe and stuff, they might not have heard this before. So it'd be good for you to kind of really unpack what, what the eco-totes are. Easy. Um, it, it, I think that it can sound complicated uh, or because it's very new and hasn't been done before, um, it can be a little scary or intimidating and that's why it can sound complicated, uh, but I can guarantee you it's not. Um, we didn't reinvent uh, the wheel. Uh, we, we just took something what um, uh, has been done before, but made it modern uh, and obviously uh, thought it through in a way that it's easy uh, for people to use. Uh, it complies with all of the rules and regulations in all of the countries from hygiene to uh, tax customs, etc. Um, and, and, and and manage to uh, deliver technology which, which helps you to reuse the packaging um, rather than uh, single use or recycle. Um, if you look at it from the packaging world in any anything, it doesn't matter what you package, uh, the worst and the most commonly used now is a single use packaging. I buy a product, I open it, I consume it or I use it or whatever I do with the content of it and then I throw it away. Um, the other uh, step is that it's a single package, but we have a system around set up for recycling, which is better, um, but again, not ideal. Uh, the, uh, the last uh, option, which is that's what we did, is a circular um, uh, a system or a reusable system, meaning I buy my product in a packaging, which once I open it and use the content of it, I'm capable of returning it. That packaging is fully clean, sanitized, etc., etc., can be refilled and then traveled to another customer. And that way it does over and over and over. And therefore, all of the content. Uh, these customers clients are buying, uh, uh, they are receiving it same way as they would in any other way, uh, I, I explained before, but uh, they are not wasting any of the packaging. So this is the same thing. Um, it's called Eco Spirits. Um, it's a closed loop distribution technology. It has nothing to do with producing liquor. Um, it's actually not, it's not a liquor company. Um, it needs to partner up with liquor company, with liquor producers or the mm -hmm. liquid you want to consume in there, producers uh, in, in, in order to have something to deliver. So again, it is a, it is a technology uh, and it's a technology in a distribution uh, system. The big part of the important two words is called closed loop or in the, in, in, in the, in the sentence I just said, and that's what I meant. Um, uh, that's what, that's what describes the whole idea that it's returnable or circular, uh, technology. Think of it as a CAC system for beer, uh, yeah. where, where, um, you get your beer delivered to your pub, you hook it to your tap system, you draft it. Once it's empty, the beer guy comes in, pick up the empties and deliver you new ones. The problem with beer, unless it's a local brew, uh, is that when the empty keg 
um, goes to the brewery, which is not close by, it basically travels empty and it's the large format packaging as well. So on a pallet, uh, you know, if you think about, you know, uh, a 20 foot container and 20 foot container, those big things which sits on boats on, on, on ocean, um, 20 foot container, you can fit 10 pallets roughly. Um, it depends on what size, but let's say roughly 10 pallets. Uh, on these, you cannot fit that many kegs of beer and all they have inside is air. So you have to ship them back to the brewery to be re-sanitized, cleaned, refilled, and then uh, sent back to where they need to go. So beer is great at waste. They have very low waste because the keg is returnable and you're drafting your beer into a glass, which is rewashable. So waste-wise, beer is great. It's a great system, but it's not really good with carbon emission because shipping backwards the keg, you're doubling on your carbon emissions. Um, and uh, and uh, so it's, 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 with beer, it's, it's a funny one because they're one of the best in waste, but one of the worst in carbon emissions. So EcoSpirits uh, tackled both of these where we have what you would call the refilling stations uh, uh, placed in every city where EcoSpirits are available. Uh, we call these eco plants. Um, you could see on our website, we, we announced it a few months ago that we did an upgrade to an, an eco plant. It's fully um, containerized now, meaning that it's in a closed environment, the entire uh, system uh, the refilling system, all of the equipment, everything lives inside of uh, an actual container. Uh, so this container is parked in the city where EcoSpirits are available. And those little green kegs, if you will, or you call them EcoTote, which is the original official name, um, they 4.5 liter of size, which is six times 750 ml. Um, so it's easy for the bar managers or anyone to order because you think EcoTote, you think a case of vodka or a case of gin. Um, and once you get the ecotoke delivered to you, um, you put this special platform on, which is called Smart Pour. You press a button, it refills exactly 700 ml into your bottle. Uh, if you are in America, there's a button for 750, so it refills exactly 750 into your bottle, or it pours straight into your shaker because there are other buttons which says 20 ml or one ounce or 40 ml, etc. Depends on what country you are. And once the keg is empty, uh, you call your distributor, say, I need another two ecototes of vodka, et cetera, et cetera. The distributor delivers the new ones, pick the old empty ones and only taking them to the localized refilling station. So the ecoto doesn't have to travel to England to be refilled with gin or Mexico or uh, America, et cetera. Uh, it only travels within the city. So in Bangkok, there is a, as a plant living in there or Sydney or Melbourne or Auckland or Hong Kong, etc., um, And those little kegs just live within the vicinity of that city. Um, and that's how it manages to be low carbon emissions as well. Cause the, 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 the refilling facility is getting its stock in bulk uh, in big drams, which again are reusable because they what's called industry standard. So people can rebuy them, sanitize them and refill them with another liquid. Um, and, uh, and that's that. So that's, you know, that's the low carbon part of it, obviously, because you are reusing the original bottles at the bar to refill the liquid. That's the low waste because you're not being delivered, uh, cartons of cardboard and bottles and you're not throwing anything of that away because you're simply not being delivered that. Um, 
And because of uh, you cutting cost as a distributor on shipping, uh, and you definitely cutting cost as a producer on the packaging, because you simply don't have to produce as much. Um, then if you translate that savings on those two elements uh, to the end price, uh, the great thing about this is as, as well, the cost to you as a bar manager or operator of a bar or hotel or restaurant is cut down drastically or, or, uh, or it depends on which country, but uh, it's, definitely not, it's definitely not a small part uh, or not small amount of, of savings. And so at the end of the day, um, if you do uh, jump in, join the movement of no single use glass, um, then you your bar is uh, saving space in the back of a house because the ecotodes are smaller. Um, your bar bags are saving their back because they don't have to break cardboard boxes and, and carry a, hemp, a heavy glass around whole day every day. Um, you're saving money on your waste removal company because they don't have to come as often because you're not throwing away as many glasses. You feel great about yourself because you're saving a little bit of a, a, a environment for the next future. Uh, and your P&L looks better because uh, you, are, you are saving money. Your cost is lower than what it was when you were buying these products in the original traditional format uh, of a bottle. Brilliant. Uh, it's such an innovative idea. It really is. And uh, I was looking at the stats and I think it's, uh, if I'm correct, 400 uh, totes a day equates to, uh, well, 17,000 euros. Right. But it cancels out 44,000 bottles a month, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, the, the idea there is that if you really run at full capacity, um, uh, you can you can do 400 totes a day. Um, that 400 totes a day translates to many liters. Um, so um, we we are not running at the capacity yet, uh, but uh, it it is um, it is what we know that we can do um, uh, in in any given day um, uh, when we when we run um, the uh, the plant. Uh, but uh, the, the, I think that the main thing there is that. Um, the glass saved and the cardboard saved uh, per month, if you combine all of the bars and restaurants uh, is drastic. And if you just look at it from the perspective of, let's say there is a 30 bars and restaurants in Bangkok who would be using eco spirits. Um, normally over the weekend, you would be throwing away anyway in between 50 to 100 glass bottles um, for your, all of your house pours uh, or for the week. Um, then if you, if you, if you say, you know, on average, if you would be, um, uh, conservative and you would say 50 bottles, uh, multiply 30, uh, that's 1500 a week. Um, that's 6,000 glass bottles a month that those 30 bars and restaurants in one month, uh, would fill, uh, six full, 12 full pallets, one full cool container or a little bit over a full container of glass which would, would have to be thrown away into landfill uh, or in better option would be recycled. But glass is such a sturdy uh, an amazing material, obviously, but because it's such a sturdy material, it takes lots of energy 
to be recycled. And we know that recycling of glass actually takes 50% of energy compared to what you need to create brand new glass bottle. So even with recycling, you only really helping by half to what it would uh, the impact on environment if you create new bottle. Yeah, I mean this this was key for me as well. Like the actual environmental impacts that that you're saving through through this new system, I think it's important. I think people don't realize like how much glass, as you mentioned, gets thrown away by. I mean, you're right. Every bar in every city, it's a phenomenal amount. And and you're right. If it goes to landfill and it's not recycled, then um, then look up how long, how many years it takes for a glass to disintegrate naturally in environment. It's it's obscene. Tell us, so. please. <laughs> it must be ridiculous. Oh, it's, 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 it's thousands of years. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> and we've been doing this for centuries, right? So it's like. Well, honestly, yeah. congratulations to you guys, because I think, uh, like I said, it's innovative. Um, it's really helping not just the world, but also the people in the hospitality scene, because you're saving their backs. Like you said, they're not carrying stuff. It's helping costs as well. It, there's, uh, there are so many benefits to this. It's, it's, one, of those, it's one of those things, which uh, just the last point here is even us at 28, um, we only really fully realized the impact of it when once we put it into 28 and that's you know that's us people who have worked on this for quite some time uh it takes a village that was a, it's it's not a, a single person uh task although neil gaby uh the man who drafted tech do the first did the first technical draft of of the ecoto deserves all of the credit for the ergonomics and the design of it um and um rightfully obviously but it was a, a many people involved in that but even us who have been involved from the beginning of developing this you really realize how much of has been wasted over the years uh up until we start using it and then we're getting so many comments from all of the countries where ecospirit is launched already from new zealand to australia to hong kong etc china that everyone is like i just can't believe that we haven't been doing this for always like it's it really makes you realize how much of a glass and cardboard is wasted as soon as it arrives to the bar right yeah and i think that the next important question to ask is uh, what are the what are the spirits currently available uh, in this packaging there's uh, quite a few under the true believers brand so it'd be great to hear yeah uh, so the whole true believers brands uh being part of eco spirits is it's our proudest statement is that we were the first brands part of eco spirits but eco spirits is an open platform uh the whole idea for eco spirits to really start saving the glass uh in in a meaningful way uh it it, it has to be an open platform and so the house poor portfolio uh created um or signed up to start with uh with, with with true believers worked very well hand in hand because true believers had vodka already launched we had gin already launched we were about to launch tequila and 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 macintosh um uh scotch whiskey and uh eco spirits were obviously uh, uh, a little bit uh you know a few months behind of launching um and needed a liquid for um, uh, and by behind, I mean that uh, they were behind True Believers launch, um, uh, not that they were delayed. But uh, it just got head in hand that Ecospirits needed a liquid. Uh, True Believers uh, liquid uh, was capable of delivering in bulk, uh, had all of the ducks in a row created around it. 
Um, so it was uh, pre-designed to be eco-spirits friendly, if you will. Um, and so that became the house pour uh, for eco-spirits to start with. But since we launched a year ago, really officially, uh, we now have added what we call the local hero brands, which are the really um, uh, the next element of the whole eco-spirits. Um, and so you can see Brass Lion, which is Singapore distillery, uh, based distillery uh, already distributed in uh, eco-spirits or through eco-spirits uh, technology. Uh, or you could say the easiest way to describe it to the bar manager is that Brass Lion is now available in eco-spirits format. Um, okay. You look at Peddler's Gin in China, same thing, is now available in eco-spirits format. Uh, Never Never Gin uh, in Australia is now e available through eco-spirits format. And we are in discussions with uh, plenty of other friends and family and brands around the world who are uh, who liking the idea, liking the technology and, and, and would love to be part of it. For us, the biggest thing outside of True Believers is obviously uh, Plantations, Maison Ferran, Alexander Gabriel joining in. Um, so wow. it's, 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 it's obviously an endorsement for us that uh, someone like Alexander would see the technology relevant, uh, meaningful and safe and, and, and done well that uh, he is very happy and, and he's actually super excited for Plantation Pineapple Three Star Original Dark being. I'm excited too. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, it's it's as I say, it's an open platform and uh, it's designed to be open platform. So currently, it's Plantations Rums, it's Tried and True Vodka, which is gin, Architecture Tequila, Macintosh Scotch, and then Never Never Gin locally in Australia, Peddler's Gin locally in China, and Brass Lion locally in um, in Singapore. Uh, but we are um, already in discussions with with other brands, and 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 so you will see more and more uh, brands coming online. Fantastic! Um, for the audience, there's going to be all this information in the show notes. I do plan to do an article about this as well because it's such a fascinating topic, and and you guys are smashing it. So yeah, congrats! <laughs> Thank you. So I mean, um, another thing I'd like to lead into because um, there's a few more things to mention today. Um, obviously, this year has been a bit crazy, and everyone's uh, had a long time in lockdown. My my question here is, what were you drinking this year? Was there anything that you just stuck to? Any cocktails, or was it a wine sort of year? What what kept you going? Uh, again, being you know being part of this whole 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 thing. Um, and it's as well that I actually really love the producers of the products. Uh, I stick to our brands, and so um, <laughs> you know, if, if if there was a if there was a martini time, it would be a tried and true martini, or which is gin martini. Um, I am one of those people who I love gin martinis, and I do drink them when I am out. Uh, mm -hmm. But um, I do have a little bit of a tradition with wifey that we do drink vodka martini at home if we do martini at home. Um, when there was a time for, uh, you know, margarita, because uh, that's another popular drink in our household. We do like loads of tacos. Um, and so uh, margarita would be, you know, our architect of tequila, because Enrique Fonseca in Tequilienia um, is, again, one of our, my favorite distilleries um, in Mexico. Uh, and if there was a long day and then cigar was needed, 
um, then uh, there's nothing really better than having a scotch side of it. And I would have always open a bottle of Macintosh because I would be, you know, working on Rob Royce or, you know, a different recipes for, for, for the products. And so I would be sticking to those. Apart from that, I'm Czech. Good. Uh, okay. Apart from that, I'm Czech. So it's, uh, it's always a beer for me. And if I can find personal Urquil around here, that would be always in a fridge. Yes, I, I like that myself, actually. Yeah. And uh, cigar-wise, we don't have any cigar smokers on here, but uh, Sven, Sven Altmaning, I know you must know him. He, he's that's a big the, cigar that's the crazy. That, that's the crazy person who gave me job as a trainer um, yeah, in, in the yeah. Alchemy Training Program. So Sven is, <laughs> Sven is and always has been uh, one of my mentors. Um, Brilliant. Um, and uh, I'm very grateful for that. Good. And for, for the audience, listen, he was on the podcast as well uh, quite a few episodes ago, but he's a fascinating guy. He's done so much stuff, but um, he also loves cigars. And I asked him and I'll ask you as well, what, what cigars do you like to smoke? What's your choice? Uh, I, I, I'm always open to experiment. Um, I'm not as experienced smoker as Swan is, although I have been smoking for quite some time. Uh, Asia is definitely not the cheapest place to do so. Uh, and no, so <laughs> in, 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 in Asia, it would be a, a thing of a, you know, one cigar a month type of thing. Cause it, every stick, as you call them, uh, would cost you $40 or so. Um, and so not a cheap habit, but since I moved here, uh, a, the access to cigars here is unbelievable. Um, I, I just, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, mm. it's you, 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 in a tiny town, you walk into a cigar store and the humidor is walking humidor and it's the size of my apartment. Uh, <laughs> and, the, and, and the brands wow. and the brands and the brands and they have are insane. Cut it short. I have loved pretty much anything from the guy called Pepin Garcia, one of the most famous rollers, uh, in, in the cigar world. And he's got uh, uh, his own brands, but he's involved in, in stuff like La Aroma de Cuba, uh, which I, by the way, uh, I got sweat on it a little bit. He was texting me yesterday that he was enjoying right. one La Aroma de Cuba. So if you can get your hands on La Aroma de Cuba, please do. It's it's a great smoke for good good buck. It's not, it's it, it will not cost you fortune, but it's a really good smoke. Perfect. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll close up very soon. There's a few more questions to go. Um, but what's next for sort of you guys at Eco and and uh, the Spirit Brands? Is there anything exciting coming up in the next few years? This year, I think, was a pause for everyone. But I'm sure you must have something really geared up coming soon. Yes, you will see. Uh, um, and it was an announcement coming out today, I think. Uh, ah, I mean, okay. t- today, today when Asia wakes up, uh, meaning in... <laughs> meaning in 12 hours. Um, so I'm 12 hours early and this news is brilliant. <laughs> yes. Uh, so when, when you go to sleep and you wake up, uh, it will be, what, what is today? Wednesday, right? So it will be a Thursday. You're just finishing Wednesday, right? I'm finishing Thursday. Is it Thursday already? I'm oh, going to Friday, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. So yeah, Friday morning. Um, it would be, I think part of a 2020 is that the whole Monday to Friday and catching what day it is is kind of out of the window i just look at my calendar and see what calls <laughs> yeah. i have and it doesn't really matter what, what what day it is but no i think there's an announcement coming out um uh uh tomorrow uh if it hasn't been out because the first thing i did this morning was you so i haven't really checked yet it might be out already uh if it's not out it will be out tomorrow then there is a big announcement uh about new markets uh, uh launching eco spirits next week uh, and i think that will 
that will cover us uh, for next couple of months of being very busy and and, and planning because it's uh, it's not a small place um, and we are super excited for uh, going that route, uh, going to that part of the world. Um, and so that's that's for us, true believers, eco spirits, basically launching uh, in new markets outside of Asia Pacific. Um, and uh, that Brilliant. will keep us well busy. Uh, 28 is kicking in amazingly, amazingly, although uh, you know how, you know, Singapore is strict. And so they still only able to open till 1030. That's not going to yeah. change for a while. But so they reinvent the wheel, how to run bar in those environments and doing great jobs. So I'm only uh, only I'm sure that, you know, 2021 will uh, will be a year when they just want to go back out till 3am and, and, and have the good old parties as 28 is used to uh and proof and company is uh uh is just making sure that uh delivering the the, the service uh we we are all um being proud of for the last few years in in on in our market so i think that proof uh will will, will stay doing that uh eco spirits true believers will run around the young kid developing um <laughs> and 20 28 will be the place where we all meet for martini do you miss 28? It's probably been a long time since you've been there, right? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a year. Uh, it's, I didn't even have a leave. Like I lived in Asia Pacific for eight years or so, and I didn't have a leaving party because I was oh, supposed no. to, I, no, because I was supposed to be back every six to eight weeks. Uh, right. uh, and so I was like, it seems silly to have a leaving party when I were going to see all of you in two months. And so I didn't do any leaving party, but then I landed here and a few weeks later, it was a COVID lockdown. So I was like, now I'm not going to see anybody. Um, yeah. So I do miss 28. Uh, I, I, I miss bartending because uh, uh, I, I, I can't bartend here yet, uh, although that's going to change soon. Um, and 28 was always my one night a week uh, where I was allowed behind the bar to make Negronis and martinis and laugh with customers. So I miss that and I can't wait to be back behind the bar. Good, good. All right. Well, we'll wrap up very soon. Thank you so much again for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Um, Thank you for having you- me. No worries. I always like to ask people about um, their animals because I know you have a little corgi called Rico, right? Yeah, he just went out with my wife uh, for I his see. morning <laughs> morning for his morning show. So brilliant because I, uh, I love the fact that um, I mean I've got a hedgehog, which I tell most of my my friends as well. But we've had quite a few people coming on the show who have weird and funny animals. But he's got quite. There's something on his nose. I wanted to ask you about that. If you guys who are listening go on Instagram, you'll see this really beautiful corgi. But What's there's something quite unique about his nose, right? Uh, he is a rescue, uh, right? So we rescued him uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, we don't know his story fully, but he wasn't really able to walk, uh, and he had a big scar on his nose. So we think that he was just locked in a cage. Therefore, he didn't need to walk, uh, and he, they put a muzzle on his nose as he was born, and it kind of tore his nose apart so that's wow. where that scar is from um but he is the happiest he's enjoying his florida life uh, he's <laughs> getting sent he's getting sent in every every chance he has um, he looks happy on the instagram and, uh, photos <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah yeah um and uh, his name is rico uh, and yeah he's he's a happy boy brilliant Zenik, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much and good luck for 2021. We can't wait to welcome you back to Asia as well. Um, but thanks for sharing your story, man. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Good luck to you. Hopefully you and your family are safe. Uh, and Thank then uh, I'll definitely give you a shout when I'm in Bangkok. Hopefully I'm there soon. Perfect. Thank you very much.